You're listening to the Social Selling Simplified Podcast. Stick around if you too are obsessed with learning things that actually work and believe that success leaves clues. We're all about identifying results-producing roadmaps and getting super clear on how to scale and grow your online business. From part-timer to president, social selling expert Ashley Shaw will help you connect the dots and take the guesswork out of what works to grow a social selling empire. It's time to hear from social selling legends, listen in on truthful conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks to reduce the marketing overwhelm so you can build the social selling business of your dreams. If you're ready to go all in, no holding back, and build the business you've always wanted, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, social selling guru, and fitness industry OG, Ashley Shaw. Welcome to Social Selling Simplified. I'm your host, Ashley Shaw. And in today's episode, I am diving in with productivity coach, Angela Kristen Taylor. And she is an absolute powerhouse on understanding the keys to productivity and the things that no one talks about that hold us back from being our most productive selves. The thing that really was immediately what hooked me in about her story was that she has five children. And during the time in which she was raising them, she was able to still get in her yoga, her meditation, journaling, and all the things that were really important to her, all while running a business, raising five children, keeping her house clean, and preparing healthy meals with kids that had food sensitivities. So just an absolutely incredible story. And I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. Here's Angela and my conversation and be ready to get your pen and paper out, take some notes. There's some big golden nuggets here you're not going to want to miss. Well, Angela, I'm so excited that you are here today on Social Selling Simplified. And I want to dig in first by talking about your story and how you came to be in the area of helping people with productive flow. So let's start yeah. there. Yeah. You know, it's, I feel like it's, it, the story is still evolving, which mm. is, I think that's always true, but I really like the direction it's going in, which is so awesome, but I'll tell you where it got started. So, um, I have a mother who is super OCD, like, and this is very relevant to the story mm -hmm. because that was my example of what it meant to be productive and efficient. And we didn't know that she just actually had OCD and like that was a thing um, because this was back in the 80s and that wasn't something that people knew about or talked about. And so this was like, I'm talking recipes in a three-month rotating calendar her grocery list was organized by aisle. It appeared in the grocery store. You know, everything was alphabetized, organized. Everything was clean. Like you couldn't drink out of a glass, set it down. If you set it down and turned your back, it was gone because she put it in the dishwasher. She was constantly cleaning and scrubbing and doing all of these things while working full time as an auditor for all the banks in the Southeast. Like... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this was my example. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to be that person because I didn't want to spend all my time cleaning and scrubbing and, and being focused on organization. And 
to the detriment of my entire life. Because Mm -hmm. while she was doing all of this, she was just complaining about her life was always about cleaning. Nobody ever picked up after them. She was the one who was always working. There was never any time for her. Like all this negativity built up, built up, built up. And so it just seemed like all she did was take care of everybody else and everything else. And I remember asking her, even when I was a kid, like, why do, why do you do this like massive cleaning every week? You know, I was like, it's not even dirty. She's like, yes, but it will be if we let it go. And I remember thinking that she could go a few weeks and it probably wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, like we're not really that dirty. There's only four of us, you know? And uh, so it just really was just really overblown. And so I was the exact opposite. You couldn't see the floor in my room, not to be hampered down by things like cleaning and organization and all that. That was just like, no, I'm just going to be me and do my thing and not worry about all this stuff. And then I was in real estate, which was the perfect career for someone like me wanting to be a freedom seeker and kind of live my life by the seat of my pants. You know, real estate was great for that. And I loved real estate, but I realized that I was more of an idea person and that the realtors in the office were always coming to me for ideas and concepts and, hey, what do you think about this listing? I'm struggling with it. Do you have like marketing ideas? Like I heard you're good at that, you know? And so I get all of that stuff. And so I, I ended up creating a, a company for uh, the real estate industry where I was doing marketing and copywriting and things like that um, for their listings and their websites and, you know, everywhere. And this was when websites were kind of new. So not a lot of realtors had websites. And this was kind of before the virtual assistant came out. But I was doing this for agents locally and then thought, why can't I do this for agents everywhere? So I expanded that, turned it into a nationwide business and then international, ended up doing um, a lot of just sitting on the phone with my clients and kind of walking them through their issues or problems and giving them ideas and asking them questions while my team did all the actual work. And somebody said something to me about coaching and like, this was a great session. And I'm like, wait, what? What did you just say? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that's what kind of led me into coaching. And back then in real estate, the only coaches realtors had were productivity coaches. And so I was like, okay, I'm a productivity coach. Sounds good to me. And it was like the last thing that I knew anything about was being productive. I had great ideas. I knew how to help them be more efficient with their business and like really look at the stuff that they had, but I didn't understand it. And I knew that I was struggling with productivity. And so it really made me look deeper into how to fix the productivity issue because my clients and me, we were both the same in the sense that we really valued our freedom. We were very disorganized naturally, and we needed to somehow put these things together. And then I found out through getting deeper with my clients that they also, similar to me, had a very difficult or traumatic childhood. And so that it didn't matter if it was like, yeah, my childhood was great, but yeah, my parents were kind of really pushy with me and, you know, it was like straight A's or nothing. And I felt like I was never good enough or I didn't measure up or everybody told me I was too much and they couldn't take all my energy. And so it's just, even if they said it was good, when it came down to it, there were stories that they left childhood with that said, I'm not good enough. I'm too much. I'm not capable 
or the parents had stories that said, you can't do this because that's not how life is. Mm-hmm. And these stories were so similar to mine that I knew that there was something there with these stories and the emotions that were coming from it. And then I started looking at it and thinking, okay, well, I have all these great ideas and I tell everybody else all these ideas, but why am I not using them for me? Mm. And then that's when I thought, okay, well, when I have an idea for me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, I could do this, but, and then up came the stories, but nobody wants to hear from you, but you're not good enough, but Mm. it doesn't matter if you do that. Your night life's never going to be like that because that's for special people. And you're not one of those, right? It's like the stories would come up and it would block me from taking the action. And so as I dug deeper and I I started learning more about things like nutrition and wellness and personal development, all of this stuff just over years built up. And I started to realize that our productivity was truly rooted in our emotions and our emotional state. And that if we were happy and we could rewrite those stories into really, truly believing that we were capable, we were just the right amount for the people who were right for us. Mm. and that. We had this big vision of being able to impact people in such a big way. Mm -hmm. And that if we could just allow ourselves to believe that we were capable of making that impact, that we could actually do it. Mm. And so it was taking all of that and breaking it down into what I call the productive flow methodology, which is emotion, energy, time, and focus. And I realized that if we started with our focus, that that was the biggest issue. Like most people, they don't even know what their focus is. They're Mm -hmm. like, well, I just need to make this amount of money. And so all of their actions are geared towards, I need to make this amount of money. And that is not a big enough goal for Mm -hmm. creative, visionary people who want to make an impact. Mm -hmm. That's not a big enough goal to lead them to taking action especially Mm. if that action creates an emotional story that says no. Mm. Mm -hmm. The goal had to be bigger. So what would be, if we start there, the the timing Mm -hmm. of this could not be more perfect. I think the more that uh, we're, you know, I think about two months in, my son's two months, my daughter Mm -hmm. is two and a half. So Mm -hmm. I'm at this like pinnacle of, okay, like I want to start, like, I can't be as my time before it was, it was a bit of a spray and pray method. Like that worked Mm -hmm. a little bit for me. I say it worked as in like, it's just what I knew and what I saw my mom do too. So Mm -hmm. very interesting, you know, all that rooted back in childhood. And now, especially, you know, we um, have worked so hard to try to have this lifestyle of being able to pick up and leave and, you know, we're in Florida for five weeks. I'm mm-hmm. changing my profile to Snowbird, but I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> that feels great, but I still feel like that focus, like you're saying that, you know, that story that I tell myself is, okay, like I, I still need to be able to do it all. Like I still mm-hmm. want to be, an, um, you know, a present mother, but I still have these other things that I, yeah. you know, obviously in the business that. I'm not clear on, I think, what that focus higher above that, you know, that higher level 
getting beyond the money, being able to see past those things, mm-hmm. um, what that is. So what's a great example of a focus or maybe your focus that you, what, yeah. what do you, yeah. Where do you put your intention? Yeah. So a focus is really like, it, it's a combination of things. So Vishen Lakiani has a really great um, process for this that I've ad- adopted. I'm a certified meditation trainer through their whole system and platform. So I'm able to legally adopt this process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. He has it, the three most important questions. And so it's understanding what experiences do you want to have? Mm. How do you want to grow? And what do you want to contribute? Mm. And if you know what those three things are, then you start to understand, like they start to link together mm. and you start to realize, oh, oh, this is what I want to do, right? And so it becomes something bigger and something that's more emotionally driven. And it's usually around other people, right? Mm -hmm. Because when Mm -hmm. we think like deep down, deep down, is it really about the money now? Mm -hmm. Usually it's about safety, security, and love. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. just want to know that somebody loves us and we're safe and like everybody is okay, like nothing's going to mm-hmm. fall apart. There's security mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's what it boils down. It's like basic root needs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that a lot of us don't have that. We mm-hmm. don't have those root needs and we're looking to fill that. And we think money is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. When in reality, money is a means to an end. Money is a resource. Money is a tool. But money alone, if you've got a stack of cash in your hand, that's not giving you the experiences, the, the, the growth and the contribution. It's just a resource for you to use to get to those things. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what those things are, then mm. the money's worthless. It's just sitting mm. there going, uh, I don't know, I guess I'll buy a new pair of jeans. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea what to do with it. Yeah. And so, you know, when I look at the things that I'm doing in my life, like, um, you know, productive flow as a, as a company and the d- different programs that we create, the coaches that I bring in, uh, all of that. And then also my husband and I right now are working on this big real estate development project and all of this. And even though they would seemingly be really far apart and two totally different things, they really feed into the same thing for me, which is being able to help people heal. And Mm -hmm. when I'm helping people heal and healing from the sense of healing their stories, Mm -hmm. healing the things that pop up every time they want to take action. And it says, no, don't do this because Mm -hmm. it's, it's that piece that I want to help people fix. And I've been fixing this in me all along the way. Mm-hmm. I still fix this in me always, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's like an onion. It's like we peel a layer and then there's another one underneath it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm helping other people fix this as well. And a lot of times that's through connection and collaboration and and support. It's not just through teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also through research and study and writing and sitting down in meditation and theorizing all of this stuff. I mean, it mm-hmm. it all starts to come together. So when I think of different things that I want to do, like some of my experiences, we have an RV and we go out into the mountains and we go camping all the time. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I like to sit by the fire and be able to look up and see every single star that is capable of me seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful experience getting to mm-hmm. spend time with my nine-year-old and 
it's amazing. And then seeing our four adult kids and seeing what they're doing in the world, seeing how something that I did somehow impacted them. And now I see them doing this thing. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. But being able to really curate my time around the way I want to experience life, that has been the biggest gift that I've been able to give myself. And that has come from following this process. I love that. I had a moment we were at Disney, like not, we didn't bring uh, our daughter to like the park, but we, Mm -hmm. daughter and son, we went to Animal Kingdom Lodge Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just being there with them and, and just seeing my daughter's excitement for everything. It's like, those are the moments I live for that, you know, truly make me just realize like, those are the experiences I want. And I want more of those, like more time in that bucket. Um, So it's interesting how you've laid that out in those three questions. Once we have that in place, then we can answer those three questions Mm -hmm. after focus. What do we move into from there? Yeah. When, once we understand what our focus is, and I call that setting your GPS because Mm, it gives us a destination that we're Mm -hmm. really trying to get to. Then we look at our time. Mm-hmm. And so we can look at our time and say, okay, well, this is all the stuff I have to do and I don't have room for anything else. So mm-hmm. here's where I get stuck. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of people land. Right. And what we really need to do is to kind of like keeping a food journal, mm-hmm. keep a time journal. Mm-hmm. And instead of just writing down, well, this is what I did and this is how long it took me. I want you to also write down how you feel when you're doing it mm-hmm. because it's the emotion that feeds into telling you this is a yes, this is a no, or this Mm -hmm. is a somebody else, right? Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. so when you're able to really understand, like you look at a week of that, just track it for like five days and look at it and say, okay, well, I can see how I could have saved some time here. I could have bundled this together. Mm -hmm. Um, I could have rearranged this. And here's some things I wanted to do that I couldn't fit in at all. And you know, a lot of times people ask me, how do I do what I do? And I used to get that question a lot more than I do now, because now I have one kid at home when I used to have five. Mm -hmm. And so when I had five kids at home, I had, Zane was brand new. He was an infant. I was breastfeeding constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had four older kids that I was homeschooling, all of them, different grade levels. Well, yeah, four different grade levels. Two are the same age, but they're three months apart. And the way their birthdays fell, it was they were two different grades. Mm-hmm. So four different grades, homeschooling. And then I was coaching 40 clients and teaching three live classes a week. Mm-hmm. And those classes were in person at a different location from my house. And we had a five-bedroom house with a home office, three bathrooms. I That was clean. We had a lot of food allergies and dietary restrictions in the house. All the food had to be made from scratch. That was done. And I was able to spend time with each kid, spend dedicated time with my daughter, who was the youngest before the baby and the only girl, and do that every day. And then also get time for me to do yoga, to meditate, to read, to study, to do anything I wanted. And that was the life I was leading. And it felt really, really good. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how did you do that? And it was because I got a hold of my time. Time blocking for me felt really restrictive. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to time block, then I felt like 
like I couldn't breathe, like a claustrophobia would set mm-hmm. in, you know, with time blocking because yeah. mm-hmm. I felt like I was losing my freedom. But when I started to just write down to-do lists for the different days of the week, which is how I was going to avoid time blocking, Mm -hmm. I realized that I had actually no idea how long it took me to do something. Mm -hmm. And I was writing down the things I had to do and not any of the things I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So my focus on how I was spending my time was all wrong. And so it was when I actually time journaled and figured out how I was actually spending my time and then adding into the things, here's the things I want to be doing that I'm not. Then I was able to understand how I was feeling around those different things. I realized there were a lot of things I was doing that were pointless, just Mm. didn't need to be there. They had no effect. They were things I thought I should do, but wasn't creating any value on the other end. Mm -hmm. So those were things I eliminated. And then there were other things that I did, like cleaning the house. We had four big kids who were capable of helping. And instead of grounding them when they got into trouble, and invariably somebody got into trouble almost every day because we had three big boys, I gave them housework to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was the punishment. But it also taught them how to value keeping a house clean and how to know how to clean a house. So mm-hmm. like they're grown now and they all know how to take care of themselves. It's like a really big, cool thing. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. So like that was a, a thing. Some of the other stuff I did was like, I started bulk shopping and cooking all on mm-hmm. one day because it would take mm-hmm. me four hours in mm-hmm. one day and knock it out. And my daughter could help and we made it kind of a fun thing. You know, you could play right. music and have fun with it instead of it being this drag at the end of our day when I was tired and drained mm. and felt like I had no energy left. Right. So it it just allowed me to really focus on creating time that worked for me and allowed me to really control it. And mm. that made me a lot more intentional with how I was spending my time. You know, things like having a um, an alarm go off at seven o'clock every night, because that was my time with my daughter. and we got, we have so, she's 20 now and she's been on her own for two years. And we have so many memories of watching old movies together and playing games together and sitting and talking together because I took that time and made it intentional. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't focused on other things. I was spending time with her. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really big deal, you know, Mm -hmm. to really Mm -hmm. get a hold of that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey coach, I finally have something that I've been dreaming of providing for you. I know that you definitely didn't start this business because you really felt like pestering your friends and family and getting ghosted by everyone. Chasing people down or having to follow up with them is definitely hard work and it can feel so awkward and uncomfortable for everyone involved. But Your upline probably told you that this is what successful people do. And they didn't mention to you that unless you're this superstar salesperson right off the bat, you're going to struggle forever if you keep doing it that old school way. 99% of coaches quit because they suddenly declare themselves this expert online and then go back and ask everyone who knew them to just start buying from them when they just started working out last week. And this problem applies to all network marketers, not just coaches. 
But the 1% that actually succeed have made it because they've caught on to a different system that's been proven to work. And it's just something that nobody really talks about. It's all about taking some simple steps to position yourself as an influencer first. So soon, instead of asking people to talk to you, you'll attract ideal customers who are already excited to learn from you and buy from you. They'll know exactly what you're about and how you can help them. Go to ashleyshaw.ca slash F your upline to learn more and see exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to hunt people down and make them talk to you in order to get your bills paid for the rest of your life. Check out my short book called F what your upline said and get an entirely different approach that will feel much more organic and authentic. That's ashleyshaw.ca slash F your upline. I'm so excited for you to start implementing these four simple changes in your business and see how it absolutely transforms how you feel about your business and the results that you're able to get. And so what comes after time? Yeah. So once we get through time, then we have to look at energy Mm -hmm. because when we understand how we feel um, as we're going through different aspects of our day, we start to understand that there's usually one section of our day where we're really energized and lit up. And there's other parts where our energy starts to drain. Mm -hmm. And so we start to look at things like, what are the causes of that? One thing for me, I know is that I'm more productive in the morning. I'm more engaged in the morning. I'm more lit up in the morning. That is my highest energy point of the day is Mm -hmm. in the morning until about two o'clock. And then it starts to drift off. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was also a piece that it feeds into nutrition. Because when we understand how we're eating and how we're moving our body, a lot of people have food sensitivities that they're not aware of. Mm. And so when we start to understand those things, we start to really create a higher energy environment. Mm -hmm. And we're also learning more around like how to regulate our nervous system. Because a lot of us, especially if we have a lot of stories from our childhood that relate to chaos or stress overwhelm, things like that in childhood, then we have a hard time regulating our nervous system because we're always kind of prepared for some catastrophe to happen. Mm-hmm. And when we're, when our body is prepared for, uh-oh, what's going to happen next? It's like, you're always on high alert. And right. then it's hard to calm yourself and create balance throughout your day because you are always on high alert. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's like when you have a new baby and you're waiting for them to wake up at night. So you don't sleep so well, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. You're like, ah, all the time. Mm-hmm. And so learning how to regulate your nervous system, learning how to um, use your, your food to actually feed your energy mm-hmm. and your emotional state, because the kind of that gut mind um, connection, mm-hmm. right? And then from there, we we lean into emotion mm-hmm. and understanding what those stories are, what's mm-hmm. coming up for you when you try to take these actions, right? Mm-hmm. So once we understand our focus and we know what actions we're going to take, then we curate our time so that we're able to take those actions. And then mm-hmm. we fix our energy. We're really looking at our energy so that our energy allows us to go and do those things in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking at what stories are coming up for us so that we can pull them up by the root, rewrite them and mm-hmm. tell ourselves a new story. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything starts to flow. 
And now we're not hampered by this thing coming up and saying you're not good enough anymore because we know we are. And those stories stop. And mm. it's really, really interesting the impact you can make on your own life, on the people that matter most to you, and then on the other people that you serve when you approach it from that perspective. Yeah, I really appreciate the simplicity that you've been able to bring to this concept because I think I remember teaching when I was at in the fitness clubs, I used to mm -hmm. teach the general managers. Like mm -hmm. I was a, they called it back then a management development coordinator, whatever that was. But we used to <laughs> teach this little segment on managing your time. And uh, I remember there was, I mean, there were just so many theories on that, but a lot of people really, really struggled, even though you know, mm -hmm. you felt like, well, we give you the agenda and we tell you the items you should, you know, check off. And mm -hmm. there would be these managers that would just constantly struggle, no matter mm -hmm. what tools at the time we felt we mm -hmm. had that could help them. To hear it broken down into those categories is just, it's really enlightening and something so fresh. So I really appreciate the way that you, you know, have broken that down for us. And I think it just, you know, provides a lot of hope that it's not just because I'm, you know, the story I'm telling myself is I'm bad with time or, you know, mm -hmm. I, I will never be able to get there. Like, I love how yeah. you've broken it into a process in that. Regard. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. And I'll tell you like two things I want to say. One is that, um, you know, right now in my productive flow organization, I work 45 hours a month and wow. that's it a month. Now I've taken on extra time because we're working on this real estate development project. And that mm -hmm. takes extra time that I didn't have allocated, but I'm happy to do it because I know it's leading to us doing other things. So it was like, I mm -hmm. consciously took that on knowing I have the availability to take it on. Right. And then the other thing is an example of how stories can shift and you start to see this when you have awareness around this, you see this in your kids really easily. Mm -hmm. And we homeschool Zane. He's always been homeschooled, my nine-year-old. And I remember I was taking him to this new homeschool group. And I think he was about seven at the time. I took him there and it was the first time he'd met any of these kids. And he's super social with kids and adults. So it was like never an issue. We got there early. I offered to help the woman set up and she was kind of a little standoffish. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll take a walk mm -hmm. around, check out the playground, stuff like this. And um, we connected with her son and he was kind of showing us around and it was great. And then when everybody got there and they were ready to teach this little thing that they were going to do together to, as a co-op, Zane had a lot of questions and he always has a lot of questions because his brain's going in 50 miles an hour in different directions and he's really interested. So he's raising his hand and raising his hand and raising his hand. And they answered like his first two questions. And after that, they just stopped calling on him and ignored him completely. And he would come over to me. He's like, I have a question. And I'm like, okay. And then he'd ask me. And then she's staring at me and saying, are we ready to move on now? And I'm thinking, gosh, this is just, you know, the whole way to this event, Zane was telling me all about how he wanted to start a lemonade stand. And that that was going to lead him, if that did really well, he was going to add cookies 
And then if he was doing really well with the cookies, he was going to find a neighborhood helper. And he was going to be really sure to be nice to that helper because if he wasn't, then they wouldn't want to work with him anymore. And then from there, he's like, who knows? But food is my passion and I'm going to make this happen. And I'm like, that is awesome. We actually got up and left this event early because they were blatantly ignoring him, called him out so many times for just having a question or when they asked a question and he had an answer, he gave them an answer that was more abstract than what they were looking for. And it's just very entrepreneurial, right? The brain, Mm -hmm. the mindset, Mm -hmm. the answers, the questions, all of it. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what, honey, we don't, we don't need to stay here if you don't want to. And he goes, yeah, I don't feel comfortable. I was like, okay, well, let's go. And we left and we were, we were driving and I was like, I'm going to take him, get him some, some ice cream. So we left and we're heading to go get some ice cream. And on the way back from this event, he says, you know what? I don't think I should have a lemonade stand. I don't think I should sell cookies. And I'm like, well, what's going on there? What are you, what are you thinking? Why, why is it, why did you change? And he goes, well, maybe nobody wants to buy from me. Maybe nobody wants to talk to me. Maybe they don't like me. Like all these stories came up for him just Mm -hmm. from that one event where I saw him go from super passionate and excited and lit up and like, yes, I'm going to do this to all the doubts just pouring in, in that moment, Mm -hmm. simply because somebody ignored his questions, Mm -hmm. you know, and didn't want to give him an opportunity to speak. And it just shut him down. And that's a perfect example of what happens to us. But we've been dealing with this for years and years and years because our parents didn't know, our -hmm. parents didn't recognize, and they didn't see that that was what was going to happen or that was what was happening, right? When I was a kid, you know, my mom would tell me, well, you're too much. I can't, you just got a lot of energy and I can only deal with you in small instances and I'm already way up here for my tolerance of the day. So you need to go do something else. Mm -hmm. And that just told me I was too much. But when Zane has a lot of energy like that and people start to call him out for it and I hear them start to say that to him, I'm like, hey, do you know what too muchers are all about? Do you know the real secret behind the too muchers? And he's like, no, what? (laughs) I'm like, the two muchers are here with a lot of energy because we're here to change the world. We're going to make a big impact and we're going to do big things. Mm -hmm. And we think of things that other people don't. I said, and you have the energy to actually make it happen. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's really cool. I'm like, it totally is. I was like, so we are all, we are a whole family of too muchers and we're going to do big things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we are. We're too muchers. I'm like, that's right. (laughs) You know? And it's like, it's just shifts the story. It shifts it. And you can see it in children because they react so quickly and because they really believe everything that you're saying because you're their role model, Mm -hmm. right? And the thing is, is that when your role model shuts you down, shuts you down, shuts you down without intending to loving you as much as they can, you know, through that, they're limited by their own beliefs of what they feel they're capable of. Mm-hmm. They're limited by their own ability to show up based on their ability to regulate their own nervous system, based on their ability to deal with stress and overwhelm, mm-hmm. based on how they used their time. And so we see this, it's easier to look back at our parents and kind of see like, oh, 
Yeah, I can see because now I know I know how my grandparents treated them when they were kids, or I know what their childhood experience was, and I know what their life experiences were as an adult. And then I see how they were stressed out or overwhelmed or didn't know how to handle things. So I understand why they said the things that they said, and I understand why as a child, I believed it. And then you can lead yourself down that path and say, but now I'm grown. Now I get to choose my own story. And I know that even if my parents or my teachers or, you know, the people that cared for me, they didn't understand me. It wasn't that they didn't believe in me or didn't think I was capable. It was just, they thought I came from them and I can't do more than what they think they can do, Mm -hmm. but they just didn't know, but I Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And then you drive yourself forward from there. Yeah, I uh, had a um, a bit of a glimpse of this. I find it's interesting as an adult because you, like you said, you have these glimpses of your childhood watching your parents. Mm-hmm. And I had yeah. this experience being in, in Disney. My mom came with us and mm-hmm. she's still running a business at home. And yeah. so there's this split of her priority of, mm-hmm. you know, being with her grandkids and, and being there, but then also like, on the phone constantly. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to be able to watch that go down and realize Mm -hmm. like when I was the little on the other Mm -hmm. side of that, what stories Mm -hmm. would have developed from that feeling Mm -hmm. of being like, she's not focused. And I completely Mm -hmm. under, like, I understand now as an adult, the pull of priorities and her trying Mm -hmm. to do it all. Like, instead of saying no, she said, yes, like I'm coming and and I'm Mm going to, you know, run my business from my phone. Yeah. But as a child, it was easy for me to misinterpret that because, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't know. You you, yeah. you know, there's a story that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. So I love what you've shared, the insights. And I think it, yeah, it's just a beautiful place to start, to be able to start to unravel yeah. some of those, yeah, unconscious things are, that are operating in our operating system mm-hmm. um, behind yeah. the scenes. So Angela, where's the best place for people to find you, connect with you and to learn more about you. Yeah. So you can go to AngelaKristenTaylor.com, which is just like my name here on the screen, or you can go to ProductiveFlow.com, which is where all our products and services and all those things are. And uh, I can give you a link if you like, where people can go directly in and schedule what I call a productivity breakthrough session. Mm -hmm. So that's just, it's like 30 minutes, one-to-one with me. I have a really detailed form on the front end of that, but it gives me all the information that I need that I can get you right to that breakthrough moment in like five minutes. So it's really impactful to just understand, okay, this is a story. This is where it's coming from. Here's what we need to do to address it like, like that. Mm -hmm. And so um, you guys listening, you're more than welcome to book that. I'm happy to spend that time with you. I love it. I will be booking one of those sessions myself because uh, just the insight. I, yeah, like I'm, I'm waiting for that aha moment. So I'm, I'm super excited to take advantage of that. Thank you so much for offering that as well. You're welcome. And uh, I can't wait. So thank you so much for uh, being here today, Angela. I really appreciate your energy and uh, the intention that you brought to this call today and to this recording. So thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to level up today. If you're ready to commit to personal and professional growth, 
move forward, make money, and grow your health and fitness business, head to my free community on Facebook, Business Bootcamp for Fitness Coaches, so I can support you every step along the way. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we'll see you right back here next week on Social Selling Simplified. 